0: All have figured out by now I make no promises about nothing okay I'm not saying you won't call me a liar so just know I'm not making a promise but we're gonna to attempt to close out this series today and we've been talking about a series on winning the war of the mind And if you look remember the first week we talked about our thought life and controlling our thoughts then we looked at uh, uh, a couple of, last couple weeks, we looked at how do I win the battle in my mind is by not getting pessimistic about things. And that's controlling my complaining attitude. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sucking on a cough drop here if that's up. <laughs> and it's also controlling my critical Attitude. See, when I live in constant critical, being constantly critical, it leads me to constant complaining. Then those two things come together and I develop a very pessimistic outlook on life. Nobody's ever been there before, right? <laughs> not, not in this room. Um, today I want to look at something a little different. Uh, but let's go ahead and look at our text. Go to... Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 2. I'm reading now the Expanded Bible. If you don't know by now, what is the Expanded Bible? It gives you several different ways, according to the definition, the original definitions, that this verse could have been written. But I like them all. Said, And do not be shaped, conformed to, pressed into the mold by this world, or this age. And if you're reading King James Version, it says, be not conformed to this world, but he goes on to say, so what, does, what keeps me from being conformed to this world? He said, instead, be changed within, transformed by a new way of thinking or changing the way you think, or as King James says, the renewing of your mind. You see, what's going to keep us from, from being like the world is when we begin to think differently. And we know, how many of you know the world's pretty critical? (laughs) There's a whole lot of complaining in the world. So what makes us and what we should be different? You imagine if the church itself would just get rid of being critical and and complaining so much, how much more attractive we'd be. Maybe it's not their, maybe it's not them Aaron, maybe it's us. But if you're reading King James, it says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I like this, it says, then you will be able to decide, discern, to test, to approve what God wants for you or is God's will. You will know what is good and pleasing to him and what is perfect. Perfect. By changing, we'll never really know God's will until we change the way we think. We transform ourselves. Because if not, we're always going to think like the world. And as Pastor Ted says a lot on Wednesday nights, the reason they don't understand the scripture is because, well, one, it wasn't written to them. Can I just say that again, Zach? They need to understand, we need to understand in this room. This was written to us, not those who don't believe. So why in the world are we using this to beat people up with stuff that wasn't even written to them? Now, does it have the ability to change them? Yeah. But what's the word say? It says, How can they believe unless one be sent? Needs a preacher. Who's the preacher? Not me. Everyone in this room's a preacher. You live out the gospel every day. I'm getting off track. Uh, we'll get back there. Go, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4 says, The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Strongholds. So what are those strongholds? Listen, this church should have this by now. What are the strongholds in your life? Casting down imaginations. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, whatever says to you that is opposite of what God's Word says to you, you need to put that down. Even if your thoughts are contrary about yourself, are contrary to what God's word says about you, you need to cast it down. That's why he says, then in the very next part, exalt yourself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. What? Every thought. You've got to take authority over your thought life. You've got to bring your thoughts into How many of you ever had your thoughts run away with you? Don't make me say this again. I am not the only one that has allowed my thoughts to run away on me. I've allowed my thoughts to completely derail my life. To turn me completely sideways, twist me up, and have me turned every which way but loose. And he says here, he said, bringing every thought into captivity to what? The knowledge of Christ. In other words, you and I need to have the knowledge of God that the word says about our lives. So then, and only then, when the enemy tells you you're not good enough, that you're not worthy, that you can fight against that. So, says, well, the word says that I have been adopted. The word says, I no longer call him anything but Abba, Father. Bringing every thought into captivity to the knowledge or to the uh, obedience of Christ. Here's our problem. We live in a world where we're trying to balance careers. We're trying to balance family life. We're trying to balance, some of us still are trying to balance our children. <laughs> you know, we're trying to balance all these giant complexities. And it seems like everything comes at us at breakneck speed. <laughs> and the thing is, is it's, what it does is it causes us to get distracted. It, something grabs our phone. Fo- Sydney used to have a shirt when she was little. Zach, it said, I was going to take over the world, but I got distracted by something shiny. <laughs> and I thought, that's all of us. I was on the right track, doing the right thing, but something happened over here. So now I've lost focus of where God told me to be, what God told me to be, who God told me to be. And so now I'm over here doing this thing, and I'm like, oh yeah. Dee and I were just talking about this this week. And she said, oh, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one. I said, listen, I can start out studying something. And and while I'm studying, something will catch my attention over here. And then I'm 45 minutes over here. I thought, oh, yeah, I was over here doing this. Why? Because we have a problem in our society, and it's caused our focus to shift. Let me ask you something. Ask yourself today, have we become so engrossed with our own stories that we've tuned out the narrative of others? Have we become so engrossed in our own stories that we've tuned out the narrative of others? And in our drive for personal success and fulfillment, have we inadvertently closed the doors to understanding to sympathy, to empathy with our neighbors, friends, and even our family. Remember, we're talking about winning the war of our mind. Where does the Lord tell us our minds to be? (laughs) There's another thing that God's done. It's a path where we're not focusing on everything else, but that we let life shift our focus. One afternoon, there was a guy, he's walking down the street and, he, and he's really nervous about the day he's gonna have. He knows his plans and, and, and it, it, it scares him. He stops in a bar and has a drink. And he drinks from early afternoon until early evening. As he gets up, walks out, another group of gentlemen comes in. One of those gentlemen's name is John Parker. They sit down, they begin to have a drink. Somebody better take their meds. Uh. <laughs> but here's the thing, the first men had a date with destiny that would've and could've been changed had John Parker not lost focus. Because as the man left the bar, as just a few moments later John Parker walked in, that man went right up the street, walked right into Ford's Theater, and shot Abraham Lincoln. John Parker was Abraham Lincoln's bodyguard. He got distracted Something else caught his attention and it cost America one of the greatest tragedies it's ever known. What in the world happens in my life when I let something else catch my attention? What else happens in my life when I lose focus of what God told me to do, where God told me to be, and who God told me to be? What kind, let's look at the word distraction for a minute. Distraction is this, distraction is confusion. Uh Uh-oh, for all of us who are easily distracted, squirrel. (laughs) It's confusion by a multiplicity of objects that are crowding the mind and calling our attention in a different way. I think sometimes I live this way. But here's the question I want to ask us today. Kevin, what if I'm my own distraction? <laughs> some are good and some are bad. What if I'm my own worst enemy? That's the thing. First John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. I love this. He said, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. Now, how many, how many sermons have we heard on these? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And I don't know the amount of sermons that I've heard from a misinterpreted scripture, but this is one of them. God, get rid of that lust. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. And the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. First, let's look at the word lust. I know in our minds it brings up other thoughts, but it generally just means a general longing for something, Uh, more frequently in a bad sense. It's something that it's irregular, it's inordinate desire. So it's something that is there that I want more than what I've got right now. Are you you hearing me? Lust is simply something that is here that I want more than what I've got right here. Now that can be anything. That could be your spouse, could be jobs. That could be families. Come on. So what is the flesh? Because here's what we think. What we have a tendency to do is we look at people's behaviors and we call that flesh. Or that spirit. We don't... Going on. Flesh is the implying sinfulness. The proneness to sin. That's all it is. Flesh is simply... I see sin, I like sin, I do sin. <laughs> okay? you <laughs> couldn't get any idea. It's the proneness to sin. It's the carnal nature. It's the seat of carnal appetites, desires, human nature. Have we forgotten, though, that Jesus absolutely crucified this nature? It's dead. Why do we keep bringing it up? Jesus took it on the cross, nailed it, took care of it. We used to call it around here, does anybody remember? Somebody, say it louder, a zombie nature. Cause it's dead and we're causing it to just come back. And it's walking around. Here's the thing about bringing up dead things, they stink. You ever had a rat get up under your house and die? That's what happens. They stink. And this is what we do. We know that Christ has killed all this nature, but we go and start doing all the things that's attached to that thing. And sooner or later, we start smelling like the thing we're hugged up to. Mm. Human nature. As opposed to the Spirit, referring to the Holy Spirit and His influences. It alludes to Adultery. So for me to walk in the flesh is me committing adultery against the spirit who I'm supposed to be married to. We are considered the bride of Christ, right? Before we say, oh, that's just weird. Are we not called the bride of Christ? All through the word. So when I begin to operate in my flesh, I'm actually walking over here in adultery land. And I'm doing what God said, why? Because something distracted me. Webster says this of pride, it's an inordinate self-esteem, unreasonable conceit of one's own superiority and talents, beauty, wealth, accomplishments, rank, or elevation in office, of which manifests itself in lofty airs, distance, reserve, and often in contempt of others. The Complete Word Study Dictionary says pride shows off that which he thinks or pretends he possesses. Isn't it funny how thoughts come back into this? Pride is he who thinks. Now, I'm going to read 1 John 2 again. Go back there, but I'm going to read it out of the message. This is the message translation of this. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's good. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything goes on in the world. Wanting your own way. Now remember, think of the definitions we just read. Wanting your own way. Wanting everything for yourself. Wanting to appear important. Has nothing to do with the Father It just isolates you from him. Wow. Whole different idea now that we read the definitions and now hear that verse. So what if I'm my own distraction? What if I'm my own distraction? How's the first way I can lose focus is I want it my way. Just like Burger King. Want it my way right away. If you like Burger King, that's your fault. Um, But that sounds like us. We want it our way until it's not fun anymore. Go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 17. And I want to read this out of the the Expanded Bible again. And again, what is the Expanded Bible? Shows you every different way this could be written. The Expanded Bible says this. Our sinful self, sinful nature, our flesh, wants and desires what is against the Spirit. Okay, so that tells me something. Wanting my own way goes against what? The Spirit. <laughs> the Spirit wants and desires what is against the sinful self, sinful nature, the flesh. For the two are opposed, against, opposed to, or hostile to each other. So you cannot do just what you please or what you want. gone. don't that sound fun, Zach. Where God tells you, hey, you can't have it always your way. Why? Because if I had it my way, I would mess my life up. There have been things that I said if I could just have this God, and then when I saw what I would have got if I had it. Don't look at your spouse right now. Look straight ahead. If I would have just thought... I want it this way. But look what he says here. He says, that's wanting completely against the spirit. Verse 18. But the spirit is leading you. You are not under the law. The wrong things in the sinful self does. Works of the flesh, sinful nature are clear, evident, obvious. Being sexually unfaithful. This is flesh. Okay. Quit calling things the spirit that aren't spirit. We as a church, we've been bad to look at want to find a devil everywhere. That way we can blame, Galen, that way we can blame the devil for what we are doing. The works of the Spirit are obvious. Sexually unfaithful. Sexual immorality. Not being pure, impurity. Taking part in sexual sins. Depravity and promiscuity. Worshipping God's idolatry, doing witchcraft, it's not a spirit. Dennis, it's not a spirit. It's somebody just trying to get their own way, trying to manipulate things. (laughs) Worshipping other gods, idolatry, doing witchcraft, sorcery. Look what else. That's, that's flesh. Man, we got quiet. Because we want to blame everything on the devil. Listen, he did his job. We're doing a great job at things now. Witchcraft. Sorcery. Hating. Hostility. Antagonism. Making trouble, discord, strife, being jealous, being uh, angry, rage. Wait a minute. If that's the work of the flesh, and the flesh is against the spirit, and that means I'm committing adultery against the spirit, so uncontrolled anger, rage, flying off the handle, If you're from West Virginia like me, we call it rednecking. (laughs) Anybody ever went redneck? You know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you don't. That's adultery to the spirit. That's me operating in my flesh. I'm my own distraction here, folks. Uh, Being angry with each other. Dissensions causing divisions among people factions we're going to cover that next week verse 21 feeling envy being drunk these are all works of the flesh that's what the word says right being drunk having wild wasteful parties those word that word's actually carousings even orgies And doing other things like these, I warn you now. Now look what Paul says here. To this bunch of Christians, this bunch of believers. These aren't people he's trying to turn into believers. These are believers. He said, I warned you now as I warned you before. In other words, they went right back and started doing the same things. I warn you now as I warned you before. Those who do such things will not inherit God's kingdom. Man, alive. What can I do? Well, see, here's what it is. Uh, do you notice all of those things are all things that we want to do? I want to have anger. I want to deal with anger. There are sometimes I just want to punch somebody. Listen, you all don't know your Pastor. Do they, Sidney? You're not the only one that deals with this stuff. All right. Transparency time. I'm going to make you look real bad at me for a minute. I have been known to go out of the window of my car to try to get into a drive-thru window. No, not you. Why? Why? Because there's times when I want to do what I want to do. And when I do that, imagine the trouble it gets me in. How many times do we want to do what we want to do only to find out, I shouldn't have done that. This is what he's talking about. We lose focus. My focus is on the kingdom. No, my focus is on this dude that just called me stupid in the drive-thru. Now, somebody got to have choke. It's a true story. I wish it wasn't, but it is. (laughs) I really do wish it wasn't. But why? Because sometimes we want to do what our flesh wants to do. We want it. Go to Proverbs. Are you understanding where we're going from here? At that moment, Stanley, I literally adulterated myself away from God. So what? He called me stupid. I'll never see him again. I don't care. Why did that get me so bad? Come on, let's, we're going to be real, right? Proverbs 1, verse 29. Because they hated God, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, and because, <laughs> would, have cho- would have none of my counsel... And despised all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat the fruit of their way. <laughs> Man, the fruit of my way is rotten. And have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. Wow. What kills us, Colleen? just our simple turning away. What damage happens when we say, I want it this way? God, I know you're you're telling me to look here, you're telling me to do this, but over here works better for me. And so we walk over here and we find out the grass on the other side that's always greener was actually AstroTurf, it's not real. (laughs) thank you he said you'll have their fill of their way their own devices look at 32 for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them but whoever listens to me God says will dwell secure and will be this is how I want to live my life will be at ease All I have to do is listen to God and I'll be at ease? How hard is that? Evidently pretty hard because I'm just like the Corinthians. He's told me this time and time again, but I still find myself. Amen? You're not alone. Look what else he says. He says, not only will you be at ease, you'll be without dread of disaster. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 30 out of the message says it this way. Because you hated knowledge and had nothing to do with the fear of the Lord. Because you wouldn't take my advice and brush aside all my offers to train you. Well, you've made your bed, now lie in it. See why you got to go back and read a good paraphrase every now and then. You wanted it your way, here you go. He said, you made your bed, now lie in it. You wanted your own way. How do you like it? Don't you see what happens, you simpletons, you idiots? gone. But you know, sometimes I need to talk to like that. Carelessness kills, complacency is murder. Verse 33, pay attention to me first, then relax. Now you can take it easy. You're in good hands. These scriptures paint such a vivid picture of what happens when I get it my own way. The consequences. Folks, this isn't just a message to you this morning. It's a wake-up call. It's a wake-up call. Quit trying to get your own way. How about we stop, find out what God says, and do it that way. Because that way is a whole lot easier. His way is a whole lot easier. This scripture, it causes us to look inside of ourselves to make a conscious choice that will lead you to a life of peace and fulfillment and joy. So how do we lose focus? We want it our own way. How's another way we lose focus, according to what we read there, is I want it all. I want it all and I want it now. Yesterday. I want it all. How much of it do you want? Every bit of it, Zach. But is that what God tells me to do? Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. He said, and let us not grow weary in well-doing or in doing good. For in due season you will reap if you do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to everyone. Man, if I'm going to live by that, let me do good to everyone, means I'm not going to have it all. Y'all know, I know there's a whole lot of a teaching that goes around about prosperity, gospel. God, y'all know God has no problem with you having money. God doesn't care if you've got a million dollars in the bank. What God cares about is does he have your heart enough that if he says, empty that tomorrow, that you trust him enough to say, I'll empty it out. See, when I go around with the attitude, I want it all. When God says, you need to give up this, I'm like, huh, uh <laughs> No. There was a lady one time Dee, asked D and I to drive, drive her to a ball game. I was a basketball coach at the time. And she started telling us about a message that she heard a preacher preach and how it bothered her. It really bothered her. She had a hard time with it. And he was talking along this subject, the difference between I want it all and in my heart to make sure that somebody else's needs are met. And she's like, "Man, I struggled and I thought, and I'm like And I'm like, "Ooh, wonder what God's doing here?" And then by the time we get to the school, she said, well, DJ, that's her husband, she said, DJ's going to meet me at the school because God, to God told me to give you my car. Oh. Now, let me tell you how glad I was. I would roll up somewhere and, it, and it, it looked like somebody set a bonfire off. There was so much smoke rolling up out of that thing. We kept... We kept (laughs) gallons of of water in the car so we can, just to get from one place to another. But you see, what happened is rather than her wanting it all for herself, she gave in to what God says. What happens if we just follow God? Let's, Let's finish this verse. I'm trying, guys. I don't know if I'll get through all this today or not. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to how many people? Especially those who are of the household of faith. I don't live like the way sometimes. Dee will buy nothing for herself. She won't even buy a a, a pack of gum. She's like, I'm just letting you know I'm going to buy a pack of gum. I don't care what you buy a pack of gum. Me, My poor daughter, she got it from me. Because I'm like that kid in Walmart. Y'all know that kid in Walmart. I want that, 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 I want, I want, I want, I want, I want, I want. (laughs) And I can live my life, and I'm in a place in my life where I can say, you know what, if I want it, within reason, I'll just go get it. And most of us are that way. But do we live our lives in such a place where we focus on our wants, that we've overlooked, we've walked past those who are sitting beside us, who are just praying to get through one more? Just one more: If I can eat today, at least I'll have a meal this week. And here I am going, I want that, I want that, and I want that, and I want that, I want that. And I become my own distraction. I become, I'm, I'm, I'm ignoring what God said because God said, look after the poor. Remember when Judas threw such a fit over the woman who came in, broke that alabaster box? That was worth about a, a year's salary, just the box. Poured that expensive oil on Jesus' feet. And he said, man, this could have been sold and given to the poor. You know why Judas said that? Judas was Jesus' treasurer. The word says he often pocketed out of Jesus' treasury. He said, that could have been sold and given to the poor. And what did Jesus say? The poor you always have with you. Man, have we forgotten that? Have we forgotten in our, in our busyness? See, this is a changing of the mind. What am I going to have to do to control myself? This individualized proud. When I prioritize individualism, when there's always this focus on negative gain, go to Proverbs chapter 15, verse 27 from the message. I got to hurry. Do not put yourself forward in the king's presence. Or stand in the place of the great. Go ahead. For it is better... To be told, come up here, than to be put lower in the presence of a noble. In other words, quit trying to get your own way. Don't push your way to the front. Choose others first. The message version of, of Proverbs fifteen twenty seven says this way. It says, a greedy and grasping person destroys community. Those who refuse to exploit, live and let live. So here's, here's how I lose focus. I get me focused. I want it all. I want it now. It's all about me. And that's our, that's our third one, is look at me. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. We're like, that, we're like that kid that learned how to do a new trick. I'm not telling you to go look this up. Or I'm not telling you to watch this show. You know how I am. But if you've ever seen the show, there's a character on the comedy sketch show. His name is Stuart. You knew where I was going, didn't you, Thomas? <laughs> and Stuart's this big adult man with the mind of about a three-year-old. And he's always looking at his mom going, look what I can do. <laughs> didn't think I could do that, did you? And that's the way we are. We still like, look at me. Look at me. When it becomes about us in our own eyes more than it's become about someone else, we have become our own distraction. When it becomes more about us, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 6. Proverbs 25, verse 6. I read this a a minute ago. Don't put yourself forward. In the king's presence or stand in the place of the great. It is better to be told come up here than to be put in a lower place by the noble. Don't try to push way. way. Every, folks, everybody has a desire to be noticed. Everybody has a desire to be noticed. Everyone wants to know that they're not a faceless nothing living an existent life with no real spark. Everybody wants that. But when we want it to the point that we're willing to overlook others. So how do we stay focused? Let's close this real quick. How do we stay focused? Well, you're going to have to put others first. As much as you don't want to do it, as much as it's hard, we have to put others first. Romans 12, verse 9. Let Love be genuine. I've been putting it out for about a year and a half now without really pushing it, hoping it would catch on. Does anybody know what our whole motivation is? There's three things about harvest that we want to make sure that we let people know. Does anybody know what they are? I've put it out it's a place to belong, a place to be loved. And a place to believe. You're going to start hearing those a lot more. Because until we get that, we're still focused on ourselves. We're still focused on ourselves. It's a place to belong. A place to be loved. And listen, if we see one person, and if I cause one person not to feel those, then I've lost focus. We need to make, oh, got quiet, come on. they think i'm crazy it's a place to belong a place to be loved and a place to believe everyone has a place to belong and it's your job to make sure that they feel that way more on this next week let love be genuine Abhor evil, hold fast to what is good. Verse 10, love one another with brotherly affection. And I love, this is uh, um, the English Standard Version. I love how it ends up. Outdo one another in honor. We need to stop and ask ourselves, are we outdoing each other in honor? You imagine a place that where everybody is trying to honor everybody so much I love The Office, the TV show. Anybody else in here? That ain't afraid to admit it. Thank you. My goodness. I'm going to say Linda back there with her head down. Her ringtone's the same as mine. Uh. There's an episode where two characters, one did something good for the other. And so all day long, they're trying to outdo each other. Oh no, thank you. Oh no, thank you. Oh no, let me do, let me help you in this. No, let me help you in this. And they're just, that's what the church should look like. Where we're constantly trying to outdo each other in honor that no one feels left out. And no one feels like they don't have somebody that's going to love them. Where we're trying to honor. And if we see or if we think for a moment that I'm causing someone else not to feel that. Come on. What a church we can build. What a church. So first. How do I stay focused? Put others first. Verse Philippians 2.3. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility count others more significant than ourselves. Secondly. Instead of a mindset that says, I want it all, we got to remember, staying focused means generosity wins. Let's try that again. Two years into being here, no, a year into being here, I had a man pull me aside and say, I've got an opportunity. I've got too many stores. Would you like to have five of my stores? I said, yes. And I came back. I told our board, this is what we're going to do. Where are we going to put it all? We don't need a fellowship hall. We'll put it all over there. And here we are five years later. Somebody said to me one time, they said, if your church closed today, would your community know it? That has been my driving focus of everything we do here. If our church closed today, I want, commun- I want Cambridge to hurt knowing that, hey, they helped us. I don't want them to hurt. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're watching from Cambridge, I don't want you hurting. But I want it to know that we are here. So what do we do? Well, we had one family who ran out and bought a truck who believed in it so much. And we used their truck until it just died. And here we are five years later with our own 26-foot box truck, three storage containers. We just spent $55,000 to build a new storage building. The downstairs is full of stuff The upstairs is full of stuff and we serve hundreds of people a month and you know what we ask for them? Nothing. (laughs) What if that was my attitude in my own personal life? What if that was my attitude in my own personal life? A little bit of vision casting. You ain't heard much of this this year. The next... What's our next step, M. Food. We got their clothes covered. Now it's time to cover their bellies. The next step, that's why we built the building. To clear out space. To start something else. But what if I live my life that way? What if I lived my life? Do nothing out of selfish... Generosity wins. This is how we stay focused. Not only in this church... That's why it's so hard for us to put a budget together. You guys have a great group of board members. And they, they stress over every line of a budget. But they sure aren't afraid to say, okay, maybe we'll come up in the red next year. But we're going to make sure that they give. And I, you know what? God always seems to take care of us. Amen. Zach, You've lived this way for how long now? It always just seems to, God knows what you need. So why am I worried about what I need? Generosity wins. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. (laughs) One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. You give freely, but grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. So where's the enrichment come from when I become a blessing? Whoever brings blessing will be enriched and the one who waters will himself be watered. Proverbs twenty We're getting ready to land this thing. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. That's a promise straight out of God's lips. Whoever gives to the poor will not want. Well, what is poor? Poor could be a whole lot of things. It ain't just about money. It's not just about money. But he who hides his eyes, in other words, he who looks around and sees the problem and yet hides his eyes will get many a curse. Lastly, the last one of me getting distracted was focusing on me. Look at me. How are we going to do this? We're going to ignore appearances. We're going to ignore them. Galatians chapter 2 verse 6. But of those who seemed... To be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it maketh no matter to me. God accept the no man's person. For he who seemed to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. Amen? You even have any idea what I just said? <laughs> Y'all amen it? <laughs> Let me read this out of one last translation. Out of the message. It it, it defines these words beautifully. As for those who who were considered important in the church, their reputation doesn't concern me. God isn't impressed with mere appearances, and neither am I. And of course, these leaders were able to add nothing to the message I had been preaching. God isn't impressed with mere appearances. God isn't impressed. Folks, this is a total mind change. If we get this, imagine how attractive we would be to the world. We'd be like that girl in the movies. She takes her glasses off and it's all, wow, everybody wants her. But imagine if the church would take on this mindset how attractive she would be To those on the outside. I got two words for you. Three words for you. We can do it. And if you're counting. That's four. (laughs) You didn't think I caught that that fast did you? We can do it. We can be this type of church. You can be this type of person. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for who you are and what you are in our life. We love you. We adore you. We appreciate you. And Lord, help me change my mind. Help me change my mind so that I can be the person you want me to be. In Jesus' name. Listen, if you need prayer today, i got a group.